listening to the Paul McGuire Report. I'm Paul McGuire. Wherever you are on planet Earth, welcome to the Paul McGuire Report. Whether you're in the USA, the EU, back in the USSR, they don't call it the USSR anymore. That old Beatles song from the White Album. Wherever you are, welcome. We're going to give you a revelation on today's program. Not a mystical voodoo New Age revelation. We're going to give you a revelation that's going to open up your eyes to the truth. That revelation will be authentically spiritual, authentically biblical, but that revelation will also be based on the truth of God's Word, or what Dr. Francis Schaeffer called true truth. Okay, so let's get to the bottom line. That's what this program is, getting to the bottom line. Most people you know, they have not gotten anywhere near the bottom line. They've gotten near the bottom, but they have not near got to the bottom line. They have never reconciled. They've not even really put in a substantial effort about reconciling the reality they see through their perception, like seeing and tasting and touching and smelling. Our, our consciousness constructs reality largely based upon what our senses perceive. And then God gives us a brain and he expects us to use it. Now, most people, and it's not totally their fault, but they're not totally without excuse either. Most people, that's too heavy for them. They want to live in la-la land. So they moved to Southern California like I did. <laughs> but I didn't move here to, to, to go to la-la land. I jumped out of the, the frying pan into the fire because I had an insatiable desire for truth and facts. Jesus Christ said, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Jesus wasn't simply talking about religious truth. He was talking about truth in any sector or spectrum of life. When you know the truth about something, it is then and only then that you can be set free. So let's do a deep dive for the truth. We're, we're marching to Oz. Some of us are. Some of us fell asleep. And, and, and you know, this is not some covert MK Ultra symbolic hypnotic triggering mechanism program, okay? So get that out of your head. This is a safe space. I'm not an MKUltra programmer. I would never be. I've read many books warning about the dangers of MKUltra, and it's an evil, evil thing. But that's what this is not. This is not about that, and I know that MKUltra in certain, in certain programming techniques uses the symbols of butterflies, but that doesn't mean all butterflies are bad or evil. So we have the monarch butterfly used by MKUltra programming, and we have other butterflies. But in this parable, I'm giving you a heads up and telling you, it's a parable, a man-made parable, not a God-made parable. You know, men can speak in parables too. It's just when the day is done, we don't look at our parables and equate them with the Word of God. So we're off, we're on, we're on, we're off to see the wizard, the wonderful Wizard of Oz. And he's legendary, and we hear his booming voice, and Dorothy is on the yellow brick road with her companions. And finally, they arrive at the palatial building in which the Wizard of Oz is, and they're trembling, they're shaking, their knees are buckling. Why are they so terrified? Because they hear this booming voice over the sound system, and he says something like, I am the great and mighty Wizard of Oz. You know, something heavy like that, shaking their boots. And uh, they're terrified. They figured this guy has to know the answers. 
But Toto, being the, the good little dog that he is, or she is, I don't know whether Toto's a male or female. Toto has an acute sense of smell. You ever notice that dogs and cats, they, they can do more with their nose than you and I can do with our um, social media devices. And so Toto smells what he thinks is the, or she thinks is the wizard. And so Toto sneaks behind the curtain, and there's this old man, balding, speaking into a megaphone and a sound system to amplify his voice, and he's faking it. He's hiding behind the curtains, pretending to be the great and mighty Wizard of Oz. And Dorothy sees it, and she shattered. She shattered that there is no Wizard of Oz. It was just a big pipe the whole time. And uh, Dorothy gets into the face of the Wizard of Oz and basically challenges him because she said, you know, you could have helped so many people, I'm paraphrasing, you could have helped so many people find the truth, find the right path in life. Instead, you allowed your ego to be seduced and, and to give up uh, being a truth teller. Uh, you gave up being a truth teller. You gave up being a truly mighty man of God. You sold your soul cheap. I'm paraphrasing, obviously. You sold your soul cheap, wizard. And you sold your soul just so you could be conferred this, this scam title of Great and Mighty Wizard of Oz. And that's a finite position. And ultimately, you know, the author of uh, the Wizard of Oz series was an occultist. He was a contemporary of the uh, Russian occult teacher, Madame Blavatsky, who designed the secret uh, or the Luciferian doctrine, which is underneath the foundation of the United Nations and has been perpetuated by many of the globalist elite. Remember that the, the UN, this is not, I'm not taking a shot at the UN, I'm telling you the historical facts regarding the UN. The UN, uh, its philosophy rests on Luciferian satanic doctrines. And when you dig deep, like I have, and I've exposed it in my books, Conquering the Matrix and uh, uh, other books that I've written, you dig deep regarding the UN, you discover that the key uh, New Age occult and satanic leaders that, that and the financial leaders that brought about the UN were, our, were all hard-cold hard occultists, or what was called theosophists. And they adhered to the secret doctrine. So Rockefeller and these other super trillionaires, the globalist belief, were also members of what was known as Lucifer Publishing. So the official publishing house on the grounds of the UN was called Lucifer Publishing. But there was an outcry, especially from Christians, protesting the egregious title of Lucifer Publishing. And so through public pressure, they forced the UN, to move off the grounds, uh, to move Lucifer Publishing off the grounds of the UN and move near Wall Street, and they changed the name of the organization to Lucis Publishing. But that's still short for Lucifer Publishing. So when you dig deep and you, and you look into the hidden hallways, the hidden volumes, the hidden meetings, the secret meetings, the, the, the global, they call them the global, global world servers. They always hide their demonic doctrines like wolves in sheep clothing. Not cheap clothing, 
sheep's clothing. And uh, so they were forced to move off the grounds. Now, I've read the doctrines, not all of them, but a consistent amount. And I, I quote many of them in my books, like uh, The Day the Dollar Died, A Prophecy of the Future of America, etc. And yet, absolutely, you see page after page of quotations from heavy-duty theosophical occultic teachers like Alice Bailey, who, who got her instructions by uh, an encounter with a Tibetan spirit guide, uh, Madame Blavatsky, uh, Seer Chinmoy, a former guru of the UN, and many powerful and important world leaders on the political stage, the cultural stage, the, the artistic stage, the spiritual leadership stage, many important leaders that allegedly are guiding the world into the age of Aquarius, or what Aleister Crowley, the famous Satanist, called uh, the new uh, eon, A-E-O-N, which is somewhat synonymous with the new age. And they believe that by embracing these occultic principles, they will usher in the long-heralded uh, new aeon or new eon of Aleister Crowley, the, the new age of the Luciferian new age or the age of Aquarius. And the new age Christ, not the biblical Christ, will rise in power to unify the world. And who is this uh, uh, UN Christ, the new eon? Well, you know who he is. He's the Antichrist. He's the false prophet and head of the one world religion, the one world economic system, and the one world government, which has been rebranded as the Global Reset. And all those guys, I don't know about all, but a significant percentage of them are Luciferians and servants of Satan. So that's who's really running the, uh, the UN. So when you analyze a UN policy, a UN program, just take any program they have. And I have analyzed their policies and their programs. I've been doing it for 37 years. For 37 years, I've been analyzing their policies and programs, reading books by their authors and leaders. And I know quite a bit about the UN. The UN was heavily financed by Rockefeller, Rothschild, uh, Cecil Rhodes, Fortune. And these guys collectively have hundreds of trillions of dollars. And their goal is to create, in their words, not mine, a one-world communist government or a one-world socialist government, um, which will be, they say, paradise on earth. That's what the Great Reset says. But it will not be paradise on earth. That's it. It's a counterfeit of the kingdom of God. God. It will be heaven. On, it will be hell on earth. And the leaders, the intellectual leaders of the UN, people like Aldous Huxley, author of Brave New World, and Julian Huxley, the creator of UNESCO, the, the world educational media uh, creativity arm of the UN, which created back decades ago an educational program for the entire world called Common Core. And the idea is you want to socially engineer and brainwash the entire youth of the planet by putting them through uh, a similar educational indoctrination program called Common Core. And in Common Core, the goal is to do what communism and Marxism and socialism do. Julian Huxley was the, the first uh, uh, kind of editor, author of the first Humanist Manifesto. He was the father of 
Huey Huxley was the father of transhumanism. And their goal is to create a new world order now called the Global Reset that will be ruled by who, who they believe are genetically superior people. And their goal is to make us, the common management, their slaves, kind of like the Hindu occultic caste system, C-A-S-T-E, in, in India. You, you notice that you want to know evidence regarding a particular spirit? Let me give you a shortcut. You can take the long way, which is the way of stupidity, or you can take the short way, which is the way of wisdom. If you want to know whether a particular spirit or teaching is of God, then you contrast and compare the fruit of that spirit, the content of that spirit, that is allegedly from God, with a biblical truth, a biblical uh, creator truth, and you'll see there is a different as night and day. So notice that all the teachings that, that come out of the New Age, the New Aeon, New uh, World Order, the, the Great Reset, and all that stuff, notice that all those teachings end up bringing billions of men and women across the planet into captivity, slavery, and, and hell on earth. Hell on earth. But they're serving the Father, they're serving their Father, the devil. And so they wrap it, they wrap the package in lies, deception, spiritual deception, and delusion. And so they lie to the masses because the masses collectively for, for many, many decades have been deprived of the truth of the Word of God. And the masses don't have the truth as a measuring rod to discern whether or not something is good or evil. So um, the United Nations, their goal is to finance, promote, and create a one-world communist government a one-world Marxist government built on secular, humanist, Luciferian doctrines and spread them all over the earth. And they do it through lies and deception, because if you look at the track record of these people, it's a Holocaust, it's this communist dictator killed 100 million, this communist dictator killed 75 million, so on and so forth. It's a nightmare. And not only that, they don't even have creativity or originality. The people promoting the Great Reset are using the exact, as I've said before to you, and I, I expose this like a stick of dynamite in my book, uh, Power from on High, which literally means the dunamis dynamite power from on high. They promise the people a lie. They tell them that the Great Reset, when we achieve the Great Reset, they tell the people that you will own absolutely nothing, and you will never be happier in your life. So they're promising them heaven on earth. And then they tell them things like, uh, and by the way, owning nothing and you'll never be happier in your whole life is a communist principle. Um, and, and they teach and they seduce the public based on communist principles. They say things like, we have come here to bring you a worker's paradise. Worker's paradise means heaven on earth. We, we are going to redistribute everything equally and fairly. We're going to create a technological, genetic, 
scientific paradise here on earth for the workers and the middle class and working class. We're going to create heaven on earth, paradise on earth. Now, all of these things are a series of lies designed to bring about the ultimate spiritual deception, which is to disguise the fact that the real purpose of the global reset is to usher in a global totalitarian regime that will be ruled by the Antichrist and the false prophet and bring in a one-world government, a one-world religion, and a one-world economic system. And, and then, notice how it's a counterfeit. Notice how the global reset is a glaring uh, counterfeit of, of God's heaven and God's plan for mankind. It's, it's a Luciferian counterfeit of what God is promising all those that will receive him as their Lord and Savior. So, um, if you fall for that trick or trap, you will be deceived. Your name will not be written in the, uh, the Book of Life, and you will be sentenced into the lake of fire for all eternity. Very serious consequences. All based on lies. All based on lies. Should that surprise you? The Bible says that Satan is the father of lies. Satan is the father of lies. So why should it surprise you that Satan's agents are also fathers of lies? So, what does that mean for you and me? I'll tell you what it means. I was raised in an atheist household. I know what it's like to be raised in an environment of lies. I was taught that there was no God, no Jesus, no resurrection, that Christianity was not true. I was raised up to believe that in secular humanism, atheism, and an existentialist. No God, no morals. You know, that's how I was raised. But despite my parents' best efforts to raise me as a good humanist, um, they, they were unable to do that because the Lord was calling me to himself long before I, I was aware of it. And so at a certain point in time, uh, when I was in college, majoring in altered states of consciousness and uh, uh, filmmaking, heavily involved in the New Age movement and radical politics, scientifically experimenting with psychedelic drugs, LSD, New Age experiences, etc., etc. As I was plunging as fast as I could on, on my own personal highway to hell, I got invited to a Christian denominational religious retreat an hour outside the campus of the University of Missouri. And I never went to these things. For some reason, I went. And when I got there, I saw a denominational, super-religious, repulsive representation of everything that I abhorred and was disgusted by uh, in Christianity. I was there because I was told I could find answers. The guys who were all like Sarah, fraternity guys, and the girls, which they were, they were all like sorority girls, they were there not to discuss truth, the Bible, and Jesus, and pray. When the games began, you know, ice-breaking games before we go talk about the truth, they play spin the bottle. Now, let me tell you what I think about spin the bottle, okay? Let's, let's just get this clear on the table. If I had something heaven, heavy to smash down the table, like, like textbooks or, or whatever, I would do that for emphasis. I did not go to this religious retreat to play spin the bottle. I'm from New York City. When we partied, we partied hard. I'm a radical activist, a rock and roller, 
an atheist, you know, it's it's when we party, we party hard. And we didn't play stupid dip your toe in the water of sin games like spin the bottle. Okay. Spin the bottle is for kindergartners. We either and some of you are going to be offended by this, but you're just gonna to have to take a deep breath. You're not going too far down underwater and you're not gonna get crippled. If you have kids, then just turn it off for a couple of minutes. I respect that, you know that. That's your heads up warning. Now we're going into it. The world would laugh at me for even giving this disclaimers. I'm doing it so as not to offend anybody's conscience. So I'm not there to play spin the bottle. I tried to raise the question about do you believe in God like five or six times, and it was like dropping a lead weight on the floor. All these guys and girls wanted to do was literally spin a Coke bottle, you know, a big Coke bottle or whatever. Not cocaine, Coca-Cola bottle. And then they would go off and they would make out with their girlfriend or whoever, you know, passionate making out in the corners of the retreat. Now, once again, in New York City, you know, it's a, it's a fast lifestyle. You don't play spin the Bible as an adult male or female at college. You either, this is a good warning, and it's really, you know, in the world, they wouldn't even play. You either got it on, and you know what I'm talking about, so I don't, got, I don't have to spell out the words got it on. You either got it on, or you didn't go at all, man. You didn't play games. You either jumped in wholeheartedly, you didn't play games. You didn't play spin the bottle. I wanted to barf. So I hitchhiked back. You know the story. It's in the book, by the way. The detailed biographical count is in my brand new book, Power from on High, which is now at the printer, which will be sent soon for distribution. And in order of when you purchase the book on a pre-order discount, you'll get your copy mailed to you quickly. We're going to be, be patient with us, but we're going to be racing around the clock to get this thing mailed out to you. Now, you can still get Power from on High at a financial discount if you order it now. Don't come to me and say, uh, can I have a discount? I, I, I've been offering the discount for forever. Now it's time for people to get their books. So I was disgusted because they weren't talking about Christianity. And when I was fleeing from this Christian religious retreat, I was supernaturally and miraculously saved on the back roads of Missouri. And physically, it was like a field of dreams type of experience. The whole story and much more, the stuff I've never told before, is in power from on high. So I realized, once again, every time I encountered what was supposed to be called biblical Christianity, without exception, and, and it was, was not that many times, but every time I encountered Christianity, it always turned out to be this plain church, funky, country club religion, which had nothing to do with truth. It was just a bunch of denominational, you know, I don't know what it was. Well, I do know what it was, but I don't want to offend you by calling it its proper name. So I got out of there. I got out of Dodge as quick as I could get out of there. And once again, my exposure to Christianity was highly negative. However, God supernaturally and miraculously saved me as I was hitchhiking on the back roads of Missouri. And I had an overwhelming, radical conversion experience with Jesus Christ that was so powerful that in a proverbial sense, it shook the earth that I was standing on. And my life changed forever. And this is like 40 years ago. And it wasn't a passing thing. I was radically saved. And I map out how that played out. So, by the grace of God, I was saved. And uh, it changed my life forever. Now, the point I want to make is, is that I'm not the only one who was saved. Many of you were saved in miraculous uh, manners. 
and, and many of you know of people that were saved in miraculous minutes. One of the biggest parts of this ministry, Paul McGuire Ministries in Paradise Mountain Church, before I even officially formed this ministry decades ago, I noticed that, and it's something that I prayed would happen, but I noticed that God, that the, the number one kind of person that God kept sending me to lead to, to Christ was were, were people that were alienated, turned off, repulsed, and had a super negative experience with the Christian religion and Christianity. They would flock to me, and they still flock to this ministry. Which leads me to my point, that there are countless millions of people, easily over 25 million people in the United States, and then millions around the world, that they are not, if you were to talk to them honestly, they are not rejecting the Bible. They're not rejecting the true Christ. They're not. They're rejecting this religious garbage they've been exposed to. They're rejecting the counterfeit, which is the Christian religion. Let me tell you something, what I found out. They, these people are starving for Jesus. They just need somebody to come up to them, and in a halfway credible manner, who's sincere and won't compromise the truth, will tell them how to, to get saved. And almost 100% of the time, uh, God will lead me to somebody. I'll lead them to Christ in, in the sinner's prayer. They'll be miraculously saved. Or I will plant a seed of evangelism, and, and God will use that, and somebody else will come along and bring them to Christ. That's the number one category of people that get saved through this ministry. And by the way, the battle's on. There are countless millions of people in America and across the world who desperately need to be saved right now. But they need somebody to communicate to them via social media or in person or whatever who will simply lead them to Christ. We are very effective in doing that in this ministry because we have you standing behind us as our prayer warriors, uh, you standing behind us with your financial contributions and donations. And we have trained ourselves on how to lead people to Jesus, and they do come to Jesus in, in large, large numbers. So the next four years is going to be a critical time. Um, let me put it this way. the next If you thought the, the previous three years was rough, the next four years is going to be like a roller coaster. But all the people who are doing what God wants them to do can be assured of the supernatural covering, the supernatural protection of Jesus and Almighty God. And if you are putting souls first and revival first and are winning people to the Lord and partnering with ministries like this that are winning people to the Lord, you can be assured that God is going to watch your back, meet your needs, and he's going to take care of your resources. Why? Because he knows that your vision is bigger than just being self-centered. He knows you have a heart for, say, uh, for, for souls, and he's going to help you. So we have a tremendous opportunity right now. I was talking to the Lord. I don't want to sound glib about that. But I talk to the Lord a lot. And he speaks to me in a still, small voice. And I was talking to the Lord about how bad things were getting. And the Lord said to me in a still, small voice, he said, Paul, in the natural and physical and in the world of our senses, things are getting increasingly bad. This world is being shaken, violent. The Lord placed this on my heart. And the Lord was giving an education. Then the Lord said, but Paul, I want you to reframe your mind. I want you to stop looking, Paul, at, at all these situations as being basically negative and basically as excuses why this can't be done or that can't be done. 
or don't fall into the trap that many of my people do, in which they give up all hope, and they, they, they give up bringing in the last day's soul harvest, and they stop being obedient to me, and they stop being obedient to my call. Then he said, Paul, I don't want you to fall down that, that pathway of error. I want you to obey me. And then this is what the Lord said in a still, small voice, and I really politely am asking you to hear what the Lord said to me, because I believe the Lord has spoken to you most likely in a similar manner. The Lord said to me in a still, small voice, Paul, on one hand, it appears that everything is going to hell in a handbag basket, and this whole world Shaken. But then the Lord said, Paul, it is this very shaking, it is this very chaos, it is this very overwhelming sense that things are out of control, the Lord said, which is producing, the Lord said, the necessary spiritual environment that is mandatory for there to be a last day's soul harvest in which Hundreds of millions of people are going to be born again and saved all across America and all across the world. The Lord said, this shaking, this upheaval, this chaos is, is, is ushering in the environment that is forcing people to, to do business with God. It's forcing people to get serious with God. And the Lord says, if my people pray, if my people will be faithful to preach the gospel to people, the Lord said to me, my people are faithful and pray and share the gospel of Jesus Christ, then I will use my people to bring in a last day's soul harvest. I will use my people to bring in a, an authentic and biblical last day's revival. I, I will use my people to bring in an authentic and biblical third great awakening. And out of this chaos and out of, the, of these problems, the Lord said to me, still small voice, the Lord said to me, I'm going to use my people to bring in the greatest soul harvest, the greatest last day's soul harvest in the begin since the beginning of the world, the Lord said. Countless millions and millions and millions of people, because there's so much there's so much unrest, are they're going to be ready out of desperation and they are going to turn to me aggressively and seriously. There is going to be, the Lord said to me. I hope you're listening. Not, I'm not being condescending, I just hope you're listening. The Lord said to me. You are going to hear in your nation, America, the cynical laughter regarding the gospel leave. You're going to see the hard-heartedness hard dissipate, said the Lord. You are going to see countless millions of people crying out to God with all their heart, soul, and might on a level you've never seen before, Paul. People are going to be weeping and wailing in the streets, not as nuts but as people that are desperately hungry for Jesus. And to every person that cries out to Jesus with all his or her heart and soul, I am going to save them. I'm going to give them the gift of eternal life. And should I tarry, says the Lord, you and all the other faithful soul winners, you and all the people that partnered with your ministry and other faithful ministries, you are going to see a last day's soul harvest like you've never seen before in the history of the world. The Lord kept emphasizing that the vision he gave me and you has to be far, far larger. The Lord said, your vision's too small. You've got to cast your nets wider and wider. I'm going to save over a billion souls, says the Lord. Let me repeat that. There are a lot of people saying, 
with absolute certainty that it's over. I don't believe it's over. If it's over, why is the church still here? It's not over. The Lord told me that if it's conditional. It's not guaranteed. The conditional promise of God is that if we pray and fast and repent and cry out to God, God will send an authentic and biblical last day soul harvest and an authentic and biblical uh, third great awakening. Third great awakening beyond anything he could possibly conceive. And then the Lord said, you will see, should, should the Lord tarry, and if, assuming my people are faithful to engage in spiritual warfare, assuming my people are faithful to obey my commandments, it's a conditional promise of revival and a third great awakening. The Lord said, if my people fulfill those conditions and pray with everything in them, the Lord said, you are going to see over one billion people come to Christ before the return of the Lord. The Lord said over one billion people will turn to, to Christ in sobbing, in weeping, in tears before the return of the Lord. And then the Lord said to me something he said many, many, many times in my ministry in life. He said, Paul, raise the level of your expectation in your life, in your ministry, family, and how you deal with your brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. Raise the level of your expectation, Paul, the Lord said. And then, said the Lord, according to your faith, be it unto you. According to your faith, be it unto you. So this is coming. It's coming quicker than you think. And let me tell you this as a prophet of God. Now, I'm going to define prophet of God. I'm not calling myself a prophet of God uh, in the manner that most call themselves prophets of God. I am saying this as a man who is hum humbly recognizes that he is imperfect. I am not equating myself on the level of a Daniel, Ezekiel, or a Isaiah. I'm talking about a man with prophetic gifts, and there are many other people with prophetic gifts, and that above anything that I may prophesy in, in, in those strict parameters, uh, God will do amazing things. So I, what the Lord put it on my heart to tell you was this. We're, we're in for trials and tribulations. We're in for the greatest spiritual warfare in the history of the world. All of you have been called to be an integral part of it. But now the Lord is saying, um, I am calling you to blow the shofar, the, tr the trumpet of warning, and I am calling you to answer me, partner with me, and bring in the last day's soul harvest of over a billion people that I've commanded you to bring in. Then the Lord said, Klaus Schwab, his assistant guy, the World Economic Forum, the pandemics, the food shortages, all these oppositional and ultimately demonic forces that are warring against the supernatural church of Jesus Christ. Please hear me. The Lord put this in my heart. All the satanic demonic armies that are warring against the armies of the Lord Jesus Christ, things like poverty and freak weather and war and pandemics and, and antichrist governments, etc., etc. The Lord said, all these demonic, Luciferian, and oppositional forces will not prevail against my church. I, the Lord said, will raise up my church by pouring out the power of the Holy Spirit on my church 
I will clothe my church with power from on high. I will shake the earth with my church, which is clothed with power from on high. And as I pour out my Holy Spirit and clothe my church with power from on high, they will be supernaturally anointed with the dunamis, the dynamite explosive power of God, to bring in the last soul, last day's soul harvest, and to win and be victorious over all the spiritual battles that will come their way. So this is it. This is D-Day. You know what happened in D-Day, right? Adolf Hitler, a demon-possessed madman, had been conquering all of Europe, and he was moving towards Russia and moving all across the world. And finally, the Allies, which means the United States of America, France, Great Britain, Russia, and other nations, they formed an alliance, and they said, it's either now or never. If we don't deal with the Hitler problem, he's going to conquer the world. So America and the other most powerful nations in the world invaded under impossible circumstances the beaches of Normandy. And I've been there, but my grandmother's French. And these are, these are beaches which, they, they're not like horizontal beaches like in California. These are, these are beaches that you've got the ocean, you have these special armed boats that, that carry troops, and then you only have about 100 yards or so of flat sand and then you run smack into to, to a sandy rock sheer cliff that is impossible to climb. And the Nazis are machine gunning you and, and shooting missiles at you and flying planes over you and blowing your fellow Americans into bits and pieces. But by God's grace, we prevailed against this demonic totalitarian leader. And we overcame Nazi Germany and Nazi Germany's allies. And we put an end to, to Hitler's ambitions to be the Antichrist leader of the world. We put an end to it. Okay, we're going to be back in a moment to give you more truth that you can apply to your life. Be sure to visit paulmcguire.us. That's paulmcguire.us. It's all lowercase. Paul McGuire is spelled P-A-U-L-M-C-G-U-I-R-E.us. paulmcguire.us. Go there immediately. And you right now can get a financial discount on the book, Power From On High. There's still time to pre-order it. And I have a whole bunch of my other books that you should pre-order as a study guide. You know, I go into churches, I see, I make an observation. You say you're being judgmental. No, I'm making an observation. There's a difference. I see what essentially appears to be, not in all cases, there are many godly exceptions, but in many cases, I see what appears to be an exceptionally spiritually weak women's group, youth group, and what appears to be an exceptionally weak men's group. And I say to myself, how does this so-called Bible-believing church end up producing such a weak and anemic uh, spiritual body of spiritual warriors that, that, that are being captured, brought into slavery, and are ineffective in fighting the spiritual warfare. How is this possible? And why is it that I keep seeing it in church after church after church after church after church? I'll tell you how it's possible. It always goes back to the same thing. The ministers, not all of them, there are many exceptions. The ministers, the denominations, the seminaries that, that print the Bible study materials, the pastor, the assistant pastor, uh, and all the people who are on the ministry staff of, of these various churches, not not 100%, but to a significant uh, percentage, they are not being faithful. They are not faithfully teaching the Word of God. 
They're teaching a diluted gospel, a diluted version of the Word of God. They're teaching, instead of sound doctrine, they're actually teaching apostasy. And as such, the men, the women, and the children, their lives are filled with sin, they're spiritually weak, they're dazed and confused, and they're incapable of being victorious soldiers, law-abiding, peaceful, victorious soldiers for Jesus Christ. And so, because of those reasons, and let's, let's repeat the primary reason, they are not being taught sound biblical doctrine on a regular and consistent basis. They are not being taught the disciplines of praying in the Spirit on a consistent and regular basis. They are not fellowshipping in holiness and purity on a consistent and regular basis. Okay? The result is they're spiritually anemic and spiritually weak. And the devil is clobbering. That is not the will of God. Please hear me. That's not the will of God. So, what is the will of God? The will of God is teach, you know, the meat of the word. Or if you can get the same thing in vegetarian diet, get the protein from a vegetarian diet. Teach the meat of the word. Teach sound doctrine. Teach the Bible in expository Bible teaching and preaching from Genesis to Revelation. Teach Bible prophecy. Quit sinning before God. You have these gatherings which you call mass repentance, and you fail to repent over, and in terms of itemized priorities, you fail to repent over the sins that God classifies as being the most serious sins of all. Now, I don't know about you, but what kind of what kind of repentant prayer is that if you misfire and you're not repenting over the biggest sins? I would call that, uh, you're not on target, man. You know what the word sin means, literally? It refers to like a dartboard or, or like, you know, when you shoot arrows at a board and, you know, you have the circles and if you hit a bullet or a, a dart or a, a, an arrow into the very center uh, middle ring, then you generate the high, highest score. And if you hit the outer ring, it's a lesser score. And if you miss the target completely, no score. So the actual definition for sin means missing the mark or missing the bullseye as in a target. That's not an accident that God uh, defines sin as missing the center target on a target board. Okay, so what is the crux of the matter here? What is the solution? God did not call you and I before the beginning of time to be here for such a time as this. He didn't call us to be here, give us all the spiritual equipment, knowledge, technology, and teaching that we needed. And then, let's always humble ourselves before God. How we humble ourselves before God is we always admit before God that he is all-knowing, all-wise, and has all knowledge. Therefore, we humble ourselves, we humble our decisions, we humble everything we do to the feet of Almighty God, and we admit before God that it is He alone that is God, all-wise, all-powerful, all-filled with knowledge. And we don't allow ourselves to be seduced by pride and put ourselves up on the same level as God. We don't do that. It's a horrific sin. Now, here's the sin. Whenever we have these, not whenever, there are, again, notable exceptions. I need to say that, because there's many Christians who are hitting the target and are being faithful. But the larger percentage are not being faithful, and they're missing the target. They're missing the bullseye. So, this is what God desires among his people. 
Number one, it is the desire of God above all else that God's leaders, men and women, God's people, men and women, young people, pastors, seminaries, that all those who call themselves Christians, it is the will of God that they humble themselves before God and they specifically repent of those things that God calls sin. And they specifically repent of all those things that God defines as missing the mark or, uh, or, or sinning. And missing the mark, the biggest area where we as contemporary Christians miss the mark is we, we incorrectly define the Word of God. We don't rightly divide the Word of God. We're missing the mark. So we can't repent over something that we don't understand what we're repenting of. Like fornication is, you know, I probably shouldn't have started with that one, but fornication is one sin among many. When you repent of fornication, do it privately and in its entirety. Then God will forgive you. But the most important sin is not rightly dividing the Word of God, not obeying the Word of God in the power of the Holy Spirit. And then, and probably the biggest sin of all, is when the body of Christ and individual Christians <clears throat> make the tragic error and fatal mistake of attempting to be victorious in the spiritual battlefield. They attempt to be overcomers in the spiritual battlefield by erroneously relying on their own faith, their own strength, and their own human energy, rather than the supernatural power of God or the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit. God demands that we repent over that serious sin, the most serious of all sins. We repent of trying to fulfill the power of the gospel and the call of the gospel in our own strength and ability. We repent over that. And then we change our hearts and we put our faith and then begin to receive by faith the supernatural power of God and decide to fulfill the Great Commission by placing our faith in the power of the Holy Spirit. That's how we become victorious. Now, if every Christian in America, or even a significant percentage, even if it was just 8%, if you were paying attention, the communists taught us this. The communists and the Marxists learned way back in 1917 with the communist revolution that they, the communist revolutionaries learned this critical lesson, that they only needed 8% or they only needed 4% of the population of any given nation to turn communists. And then, with only 4% turning communists, they could, the communists, conquer an entire nation. So, what the communists taught us is that we don't need a majority numerically to take over a nation. All we need is a dedicated minority. And we can have only 4% of the people become dedicated communists, and that 4%, even though it's a minority, can conquer a nation for Lucifer. Because remember this, when you get down to its raw essence, communism and Marxism is not simply a political ideology. This is of paramount importance. Communism and Marxism is not merely a political ideology. Communism and Marxism, above everything else, is a spiritual belief system Communism and Marxism, above everything else, uh, is a religion, and it's empowered by demonic spirits and deception. It is critical that God's people know and own that truth. We cannot win the spiritual battle until we first master the truth that communism and Marxism, and, and by that fact, communism, Marxism, transhumanism, and globalism are all 
Uh, they are all religions. They are all demonic and Luciferian spiritual or religious systems. But we can conquer them in the power of Jesus Christ with only 4% of Christians joining us. And then if we operate in unity, true biblical unity, um, we can be more than overcomers in Christ Jesus. That's phenomenal. Why is that possible? It's possible because Jesus said to you and me, he said, all things are possible according to God. So what he's saying is, wake up, my church in America. You're not the first group of Christians and believers to face a formidable adversary. You're not the first group of Christians to be persecuted and outnumbered. Wake up, my people in America. Stand fast. Wake up and repent of your unbelief. Wake up and put your faith in my supernatural power. And to the degree you put your faith in my supernatural power, I, the Lord, the King of kings and Lord of lords, I will raise you up. I will fill you with my supernatural anointing and my supernatural strength. As you walk in true biblical unity and occupy the land and indeed conquer the land and indeed take the land, the Lord said, I will allow you through my grace, unmerited favor, to possess, conquer, and occupy the land. And then, says the Lord, what many of my people decided, many of my, I, I have this against my people, says the Lord. I have this against my people, says the Lord. That a very large percentage of my people, says the Lord, decided arbitrarily and on their own willpower that it was impossible to win the spiritual battle against Satan. And that is, that is a lie, says the Lord. Hear the word of the Lord, says the Lord. It is not impossible to win the spiritual battle against the demonic forces, even though you may have just 4% of a given population. It is not impossible. Why is it not impossible, says the Lord, to win the battle? Because my word, my word says that if you put your faith in me, Nothing, and my word, you put your faith in me and my word, nothing will be impossible for you. So when you renew your mind with my word through the power of the Holy Spirit, when you choose to renew your mind by the power of the Holy Spirit, when you choose to be clothed with power from on high, the dunamis dynamite power of God, says the Lord, you are no longer a mortal man or a mortal woman. You have now entered a, a genetic revolution where you have been transposed. You are no longer the old creature or the old man or old woman in Christ Jesus. You now have become, through the miraculous power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, you have now become a new man or a new woman in Christ Jesus. And as such, all things are possible with God. That means you can conquer an enemy. Nothing is impossible with God. Now, when I share that with you, and I'm not saying this to you right now to plug my book. I'm, sh I'm saying this to you now because this is what's flashing through my spirit. This is what's flooding through my spirit. As I said those words to you, which, by the way, was a, an initial prophetic uh, uh, exhortation, okay? As I said those words to you, a bunch of images, a bunch of pictures began to uh, open up inside my mind, my heart, my soul, my body. In my brain. Picture after picture after picture. 
and it accompanied the prophetic words I shared with you. And this is precisely what I saw in these prophetic images. I saw a spiritual battle, and I saw a nation called America deeply involved in the spiritual battle. But many of the people believed the lies of the devil and were starting to put their faith in hopelessness. I saw that, and it disintegrated. That idolatrous stronghold disintegrated, and it dissipated. And that image of failure and defeat was replaced by an image, a symbol, and a picture of supernatural victory in Christ conducted by the supernatural body of Christ. So what I saw was the supernatural body of Christ overcoming. Because why? Because we're more than overcomers in Christ Jesus. I saw the supernatural body of Christ functioning as more than overcomers in Christ Jesus and conquering and occupying the land that God has given us. And then I saw imagery of the pilgrims, of the Puritans of early America in the 1600s, of 1776. I saw pictures and visions, if you like, of the First Great Awakening with Jonathan Edwards, the Second Great Awakening with Charles Finney, and now, hopefully, an approaching and biblical and authentic Third Great Awakening. And I saw the Lord of hosts, the captain of the armies of the Lord Jesus Christ, I saw him lead the supernatural body of Christ into battle on a level they've never experienced before. And as they entered this battle, the Lord Jesus Christ, the captain of hosts, turned the battle around. God, Jesus, turned the battle around. So what's happening now in the invisible realm or the spiritual realm? But it's not guaranteed. It's contingent upon whether or not you and I are going to believe God and put our faith in the power and the promises of God. If we're willing to do that, and most of us are, we will have that critical mass, that critical remnant minority. And when we come together in faith, as we've just done, we're, we are turning the tide of the spiritual battle around. So right now, my heart's rejoicing. My heart is dancing. In fact, if you could look into my inner imagination, you would see me dancing in the Spirit of the Lord not wearing a linen ephod, but dancing as David did in the Spirit of the Lord. It's a dance of joy. It's not rock and roll dancing. It's not carnal dancing. It's dancing in a form that we don't see on earth very often, because it's not generated by lust or, or nihilism. It's generated by the power of the Spirit of the Lord. And dancing is a form of worship. When David came back from victory in the battle, he danced before all of Israel, and all the people with a religious spirit were furious at him. So in my inner imagination, in my inner man, I was dancing before the Lord. I was filled with supernatural joy. Why? Because I had a flash of insight, a flash of revelation, that if we obey the Lord and put our faith in this area, God will clothe us and infuse us with supernatural power from on high. And when we are infused with supernatural power from on high, we will be overwhelmingly victorious in this spiritual battle at the end of the age. That means that despite the Nephilim, the Rephium, the, the genetic engineering, despite the Luciferian and Satanic forces and, and the, the hybrid mixture of science and technology and the occult, etc., and the, the DNA war between God and Lucifer, despite all these congruent battlefields, God's people are winning the battle. The moment you and I purpose in our hearts to put our faith in God, we're hooking up 
to the dunamis power of God. And the moment we do that by faith, we choose. We purpose in our heart. It's the same. You want to know how it works principle-wise? It's the exact same mechanism that all of us use to get saved. We aren't sure how it works, but we know that we know that we know that when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, ask Jesus to forgive us of our sins, ask Jesus to cleanse us with the blood of the Lamb, Jesus Christ, ask Jesus to come inside our lives and make us brand new creatures in Christ Jesus. Although we may not understand all the mechanics of it, every one of us who did that, who put our faith in Christ and invited Christ to come into our lives and make us born again, Every one of us who chose to do that by faith, we were miraculously and sovereignly born again, which means we have been guaranteed entrance into the kingdom of God, and we will live for all eternity with the King of kings and the Lord of lords. This is incredible. So the joy of this, the power of this, is sweeping through my emotional man, my psychological man, and my spiritual man. I am here to tell you, as by way of uh, ordinary man, witnessing to you supernatural events that right now the core of my being, my inner man and inner woman, is being powerful energies, the powerful forces of the kingdom of God, like like mighty musical but orchestrated winds are sweeping through the chambers of my heart. With great power, they're sweeping through the chambers of my heart, and they're actually lifting me you know, a half a foot or several inches off the ground, at least in a spiritual sense. And they're, they're causing me to dance, an appropriate dance, not a, not a not dance, an appropriate dance. And, okay? And I'm not, I'm not crazy, I'm not a wacko. I'm caught up in the power and the joy and the Spirit of the Lord. And as a man who is caught up in the power and the joy and the Spirit of the Lord, I, I, my inner man is bursting with prophetic poetry, it's bursting with prophetic lyrics, and it's bursting with prophetic direction. And I come here as a humble man to say to you, to Paul McGuire Ministries, Woe unto those who doubt the power of God. Woe unto those who tremble in the day of battle, for the Lord has called you mighty. And why do you, who the Lord has called mighty, dare to perceive yourself as weak and defeated? You are my children. You are my bride. I have called you before the beginning of time to be here for such a time as this. And together we will take back the land that the enemy has stolen. Together we will take back the land that the enemy has stolen. So my heart is filled with the power of God, the rejoicing of God, and it's sweeping through my soul. And I feel, you know, I need to explain something. Please. Stop putting God in a box. The box you're putting him in is called a coffin. It's a, a religious coffin, a religious box. I'm not minimizing the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. All of that is true. But in terms of walking with Christ in this world in the last days, it is abhorrent to God to keep putting him into a religious box, nail him in a coffin through the nails made out of religious, legalistic dogma. Stop doing it. God is alive. Quit burying him every day. We're supposed to be alive in Christ, not put into death. And as we're alive in Christ, we're filled with the life force of Christ because Jesus Christ on the cross broke the power of sin and death. 
He broke the power of sin and death. It has no hold on us anymore. So we are swept up in the supernatural power of God. This is what enabled Peter to respond to the call of God. See it now. Jesus was walking on the water. His feet were flat upon the water. Jesus was in the distance walking on the water. And and then he called Peter. And he said to Peter, come, Peter. And he commanded Peter to walk on the water. And Peter's response is, I can't walk on the water. And Jesus' short response was, how do you know you can't walk on the water? You've never tried it. So Jesus exhorted him. Don't let your past your past uh, parameters define the horizons of your present and future. Walk on the water, as I told you to. So Jesus got out by faith and began literally to supernaturally walk on the water towards Jesus. And his mind was blown. He was walking underwater in the power of God. But then he freaked out because he stopped focusing on Jesus and Jesus' miracles, and he started going into the hyper-analytical, critical, hyper-theological mode where he said, well, it's impossible for me to walk in the water. And then the next thing you know, he was, he was choking on the water and started to drown. There's a principle there, how you launch miracles, how you launch the practice. So when we approach where we are in human history, and we enter into the zone of being tempted to be afraid, to, to hide, and everything else because of the so-called giants in the land, all we have to do is, with childlike simplicity, walk on the water like Peter did, but keep our eyes focused on Jesus Christ. And as we keep our eyes focused on Jesus Christ, we can walk on the water, and now we no longer move in the power of human energy, human intellect, human ability. We have now decided to move by faith, and we decide to receive by faith the supernatural dunamis power of God, or the dynamite explosive power of God. We choose not to be naked in, in paradise like Adam and Eve, and ashamed and embarrassed. We choose not to be naked. We choose to be clothed with power from on high. And in power from on high, we have the anointing to defeat the armies of hell. Did you hear what I said? When we're clothed with power from on high, we then have the anointing to defeat the armies of hell. For the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. We need to think of the truth of God's word and the power of the Holy Spirit. We need to think of it as the equivalent of a battering ram. And we're, we're moving through a territory or a neighborhood, and let's say there's all kinds of horrific crimes being committed in a particular location. We don't allow, we get our court order from the Father, but we don't allow the barrier that the criminals and the gangsters built to block us from setting the captives free. We don't allow it. We don't tolerate it. We come towards that door, a stronghold by faith, and we get out the battering ram, which is the Word of God and the power of the Holy Spirit, and we function as one. Somebody blows a whistle or gives the command, and fearlessly we charge the stronghold or the door, and it the door disintegrates and, and, and flies off its mounting, and we move in, like lightning into the house and spare the lives of many, many precious young girls and boys. Now, God's power is available to us now in America and across the world. You need to come to God and get a complete, a complete 
radical spiritual transformation of your mind so that the master created, creator programs it into its most operative functionality, which is that we walk in the power of Christ. We walk in the power of Christ. And we do not have to be confined. It is a sin before Almighty God to look at the Great Reset, to look at their wireless digital currency. It's a sin to look at the one world government, the one world religion, and the one world economic system, and all the evil plans of the Great Reset, and all the evil, evil plans of Mystery Babylon, and all the evil plans of uh, the globalist Luciferian elite. It is a sin to look at them and to perceive them as giants uh, in the land of Canaan, like the original ten spies did. That's a serious sin before God. The sin they committed was, is one that they never preach in the church. I preach it in Paul McGuire report. The sin that they committed was a sin of perception. When you perceive yourself as anything less than what God created you, you are committing the sin of perception and fear. And that will block you from conquering the land and occupying the land. You must move into the mindset of Joshua and Caleb, who were called mighty men of God. And they looked upon the giants, the globalist elite, their opposition. Joshua and Caleb looked upon the giants, and they used their faith to reboot their perception, and they put their faith in the power of God and his word, and their perception was reborn. And now Joshua and Caleb, through miraculous perception, perceive themselves as giants well over, easy to overcome. Uh, the so-called the pretenders of being giants, which were the giants of Caleb, and and not not the giants of Caleb, the giants of Canaan, and Joshua and Caleb perceived themselves to be giants, and they perceived the giants of Canaan to be grasshoppers, and the supernatural transformation in the electromagnetic frequency field known as consciousness. Traveled and no, I'm not mixing the New Age with the Bible. It's just that you study quantum mechanics. The the faith in God released a specific electromagnetic frequency into the atmosphere of Canaan, which caused the giants of Canaan to perceive themselves as grasshoppers. So now. They perceived themselves as grasshoppers, and not only that, they perceived Joshua and Caleb as giants. And then this perception was altered in terms of consciousness and an electromagnetic frequency, where they perceived the giants as grasshoppers, the, the giants perceived themselves as grasshoppers, and they perceived themselves as giants. And they said that we are well able to take the land. They God intruded into what is called normal, or the bias of normality. God intruded into that bias, which was unbelief, broke the bias of normalcy, and God infused in them a supernatural rebooting of their perception, where they saw all of their enemies uh, as giants, and they continually said to the Lord, nothing is impossible. Uh, 
Nothing is impossible because of God. And that's the modality that they moved in. Nothing is impossible with God. The apostles and disciples moved in the modality of nothing is impossible with God. Jesus Christ moved in the modality of nothing is impossible with God. This is what ignited their ability to receive power from on high. This is what birthed the Protestant Reformation. This is what birthed the First Great Awakening, Second Great Awakening, and it will soon birth the Third Great Awakening, which will be a massive takedown of Satan, of Lucifer, and every man and woman, every organization, every corrupt government official, every corrupt billionaire on planet Earth is going to face a human extinction-level event in the near future. However, the human extinction-level event that they face is their own extinction, and they will find that because of their unbelief towards God, that they will be extinct almost immediately, which means powerless. And the remnant church will rise like Jesus rose in the power of the resurrection, and collectively we will be more than conquerors in Christ Jesus and take the land. But that's just the beginning. Then we bring in the last day soul harvest. You and I together with millions of other believers in Jesus Christ Listen to me very carefully. We're going to bring in, together, arm in arm, over a billion souls into the kingdom of heaven. Are you prepared for that? Are you prepared for that? Well, God is speaking to you now through his still, small voice, and he's inviting you to join with him in bringing in over a billion souls to the kingdom of heaven through Jesus Christ. God's inviting you to do that right now, and we can do that together. We can conquer the land. You're freaked out because of vaccinations, 5G. I mean, there's a lot of stuff to be freaked out about. Don't get me wrong. And I'm not trivializing it, and I'm not minimizing it. You've got toxic GMOs. You've got 5G technology, which is essentially weaponized EMF technology. That's just a few points on the EMF dial beneath the kill shot. When they zap people in a crowd who are rioting and it feels like their skin is on fire and they run for their life, they are shooting a 5G technological cannon at them that's designed to make them feel like their body's on fire and they flee for their lives. But if they were to turn it up just a few more degrees on that square television, flat digital screen TV type of device that's mounted on the military vehicles and the military jeeps, if they were to turn that up just a slight bit, it would move from 5G being a crowd dispersal mechanism, it would move over into the zone of 5G being a death ray. Because 5G can be weaponized into a death ray. Now, look at the book of Revelation. We read about plagues, pandemics, diseases, wars, and rumors of wars. You know, these people have a lust for death because they're worshiping secretly Baal, Ashtaroth, and Moloch. And all of these idol gods of Lucifer, especially Moloch and uh, Baal, demand child sacrifice, human sacrifice, and perverse sexual orgies to release their alchemical magic or mystery Babylon into the earth. But they are on their way to defeat. That's why Jesus said, the words Maranatha mean, come quickly, Lord Jesus. I need you to, to believe what God just said to you through the Spirit. And, and, and may I suggest something? If you're saying to yourself, oh, I'm just imagining things. God didn't speak to me. That's a sin before God. You're to discern the spirits, but you're not to reject the Holy Spirit. 
I'm asking you to join with this ministry, Paul McGuire Ministries. The most important thing that we can do right now in America and across the world is to be victorious and win the battle for the hearts and minds of mankind in every uh, military theater and arena. We have to win the battle. We have to turn people's minds and hearts around as fast as we can in order to win the global spiritual battle. We need to up our game and begin to move in the supernatural power of God. That requires in believing in the dunamis, not rejecting the dunamis. Now, you and I can do that. The key thing is, according to God, is that we need to operate as one. I'm asking you to operate with me as one. And I'm asking you to pray to God with hardcore seriousness and say, God, what would you have me donate or contribute to Paul McGuire Ministries and Paradise Mountain Church? I know he's a faithful watchman. I know he's doing everything he can to communicate the truth. What would you have me give to him? And how often would you have me give uh, in terms of my donations and contributions? Then I need you to stand with me. This is so important, to stand with me as an intercessory prayer warrior and engage in spiritual warfare on my behalf, behalf of the ministry, behalf of my family, and behalf of everyone in this ministry. And then thirdly, I need you to really use some elbow grease and help volunteer to spread the message of this ministry far and wide. I mean, get down to it. Please, I need your help. This is a war. And I need you to make sure that you spread our links I need you to, to make sure that you join, that you subscribe, that you watch, that you like every part of our social media. That, I mean, be truthful about it. Um, because you see, the people that oppose us, they have armies and computers of people that will like, that will give it a thumbs up, that will join, that will subscribe. Stuff that's anti-Christ. And that gives those organizations the bargaining power to blow open doors of opportunity. what The only way to beat their rigging of social media is for you to go out there and spend two minutes, spend 60 seconds, and say you like or you join or you follow uh, all of our social media. That's critical. It may not seem like anything, but remember, our enemy's cheating. The, the data is rigged. I, you know, it, it is an endless battle, and I have to put it in the Lord's hands when people ask me, about numbers. My numbers are phenomenal, and the numbers of many people I know are phenomenal. But you would never know it by looking at the rigged, counterfeit uh, uh, numbers that are given to me through AI uh, uh, robot machines. I'm not going to waste your time and tell you the, the, the egregious lies of organizations that, that uh, are manipulating my numbers. And Sometimes, I mean, it'll be so absurd. Like one day it'll say, you have three followers to this social media platform. Three days later, it'll say you have 1.2 thousand followers. And a day later, it says you have one follower. And this is across the board. I need your help. God bless you. This is Paul McGuire. Visit paulmcguire.us. That's paulmcguire.us.
landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.